0: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It is Tuesday, March 30th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Two days away from opening day for the Royals, but we couldn't wait to talk about it. So here we are with Lynn Worthy, Sam Mellinger, and Vaughn Gregorian talking such topics as Kyle Isbell and his likely inclusion on the opening day roster, the demotion of Nicky Lopez, how about Aldoberto Mondesi hitting third, and. Who added a pitch to his repertoire and had an excellent spring? We talk about all of this, plus toss in our 162 game projections on today's show, which started as a Sports Beat Live. So let's get started. Hey, good morning from an optimistic Kansas City, and welcome to Sports Beat Live, uh, the weekly show where we talk royals with the Kansas City star reporters and columnists who know them best and with you. Uh, Please send us your questions and comments about the Royals. We'll get to as many of them as we can. Let's welcome in Lynn Worthy, who will put Surprise Arizona in his rearview mirror later today. Good morning, Lynn.
1: Good morning.
0: Vahe Gregorian probably can't put his four-legged friends away because they pretty much run the house. Hey, Vahe, how you doing? Okay. And we'll go to Sam Mellinger, who appears to have... Put away his old contraption for an upgraded model. Sam, you've never looked more clear.
2: And and I'm not gonna bigly you like Vahe just did.
0: He I did. Bled. He did. I just yeah, yeah. I guess uh Bahe needs to unmute or <laughs> or uh, uh, technology. Yep, yep, yep. So so Sam gets a new contraption and has never looked better and Vahe, meanwhile, moving to another room in the house. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Uh, we'll get Vahe we'll get back here in just a second. Hey, great to see you guys. And uh, we got a lot to talk about with opening day uh, on Thursday. But before we get started, got to take a moment and welcome our new sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. Great to have them on board. And as you notice, we're coming to you on Tuesday, and that's going to be our weekly home. So pencil us in for Tuesday's 10 a.m. for Royal Sports Beat Live going forward. Look, that means it's only been five days since our last chat, but so much has happened in uh, in those five days, and we're going to get to it in just a moment. Before we do, I want to hear your projections. Um, how many how many victories do the Royals get this this year? Does the improvement continue for for this organization? We're going to give you ours at the end of the show, but let us know what you think um, as, um, as we progress through the show. Vahe, are you here?
3: Can you see yes. me? Can you feel me? <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, we've got a, a house full of technical glitches starting with uh, me in the middle.
0: <laughs> you sound good. Uh, glad to have you. And we've we got a lot to talk about here with the Royals. The first, um, the first thing right off the bat, been a significant roster development here. Kyle Isbell, uh, 2018 third round pick um, out of UNLV. And um, Lynn, it looks like we have got a, um, a, a, a newcomer to the roster, someone we might not have expected. When spring training began, tell us about Kyle Isbell and then I'm going to ask Sam and Vahe why, what the significance of this is beyond just getting a hot bat in the lineup.
1: Yeah. Kyle Isbell looks like um, they still haven't made the roster move officially at this point, but um, looks like he could be your, um, could be your everyday right fielder. Actually Uh, um, he's only 24 years old. Hasn't played above Wilmington high a But last year was one of the guys who was in big league camp, then was in the summer camp, was at the alternate site, has looked really good in spring training this year. Um, And the way it sort of worked out, I mean, going into camp, you didn't really necessarily see that one. I mean, especially with everybody concentrating on Bobby Wood Jr. But um, Mike Matheny has talked about the two of them in the same breath since, you know, camp started. And every time you talk about how impressive Bobby Witt Jr. was, he also mentioned Kyle Isbell as being right there as a guy who's knocking on the door. And um, I think we all sort of saw the writing coming with Nicky Lopez probably, you know, not being your everyday second baseman. And then they made that official with him option to the minors. And that puts Wood Merrifield back at second base, which was the position that he's played the most. And he basically moved off of that position for Nicky. And that leaves that opening in right field, and it looks like Kyle Isbell's the guy who's going to grab that.
0: Yeah, well, mentioned uh, you, you know Mike Matheny mentioning Bobby Witt and Kyle Isbel in the same breath. I know on this show we weren't doing that, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but we did sneak Kyle Isbell in under the wire last week because he was just not cooling off in in, in spring. What did he end up hitting, Lynn? Was it three forty or something? And it was. Probably- uh- It was 333,
1: I believe, in the 420 OBP for for spring training. Um, And he's a guy who, I think his first year in the minors hit like 326, and then he had a year where his numbers were really bad, but he had multiple injuries that year. So his last full year in the minors at Wilmington, his numbers, I forget what it was. It was uh, his his slash line was not good, but he he played through a hamstring injury and he had a ham eight bone. And then when he was healthy in the fall league, he looked really good again. And everybody's like, okay, that's the player that they thought he was.
0: All right. So um, the, the one thing that strikes me about this, um, Sam and and Vahe, is this isn't a panic move by the Royals? It is a move based on a, I don't know, dare I say, position of strength um, to send down a uh, a guy who started for them last year in Nicky Lopez, and and bring up a, a prospect who, um, you know, who, who shows promise. And what is what's the comment here on on the Royals?
3: Well, one thing I, that just stands out to me and and Gosh, Sam, and, and you too, Blair. Have a, you have a longer uh, history with the Royals on this? Far longer than I do. But um, the idea that you can can lose a job in spring training seems seems to stand out to me. Like I, I maybe it, maybe it's more common than I realize. But um, I I sort of thought this was absolutely Nikki Lopez's job to lose, and uh, and and he lost it. Um, and I, I so I, I think that's a little bit of a statement in itself, and, and not in some ways reassuring, but in some ways I'm sure a little complicated for the Royals. You know, what's the message you're sending about a guy who's been your guy for only a year and a half or so. And, and, you know, did he, did he, are they, are they giving up on him? I don't think we think they're giving up on him, but I think they have to massage the message, so to speak. And, um, but it also does say performance matters in, in, in spring training. Uh, I think, I guess I would have hazarded the guess that the second base job coming open would have gone to a different guy. Um, but I I think we can understand why that's uh, being held off on, as Debbie Downer, Lynn Worthy pointed out last week. Um, so anyway, that's just my not so quick take.
2: Yeah, I think there's there's a lot going on with it. I mean, Kyle Isbell is a guy that they've really liked from from the jump, even through those struggles that that Lynn mentioned. Um, and there's a couple interesting things about this. Like it, it's a win move. You know what I mean? Like uh, the Royals of 2019 or 2018, maybe they live with, and they did (laughs) live with Nicky Lopez and just give him 500 plate appearances and just, you know, let him, he he adjusted his swing a little bit now. Uh, Maybe he's scuffling through that, Um, but they're saying no, like the, you know, scholarship time is over and, and we need production. And it also is encouraging, should be encouraging for Royals fans that they've got a guy that they can bring up and the positional versatility between uh, not just wit most obviously, but also Hunter Dozier allows them to move these pieces around and still field a, a competent, um, perhaps even above average big league defense. Um, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting, maybe this is just like super nerdy, um, but they like, so Lynn mentioned the struggles uh, at Wilmington and that's the last, you know, minor league action that he's had. Right. But I think, I think the Royals have looked at Isbel, they've looked at um, Suley Mateus, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., and perhaps some others, and have thought, you know what, like that alternate site is more useful, like there was more development going on in that alternate site, despite all the weirdness and it's not real games and all that, but I think those, you know, just sort of collectively that this this many guys took what appears to be like significant jumps, it kind of has the Royals trusting what they're seeing you know like bill fisher who's like one of my favorites like this old-time scout he's a, um grumpiest guy and so cool but um you know he, he always said like believe what you see and not what you think and i think there's some of that going on here uh believe what you see in the spring on the bad side nikki lopez right but then on the good side maybe kyle Bell really is right i mean 24 is young but it's not 18 um and so maybe it's time for him to hit i just there's it's just a lot of interesting sort of stuff going on right below the surface. Um, it, it, it's a cool time to be following the Royals right now.
3: Sam, just to chime in real quick, I think another scout, uh, Marvin Gaye, used to say, believe half of what you see and, and none of what you hear. I think that was how it went.
2: He's got a great track record, too. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not going to argue with that guy.
0: All right. Oh. The, doesn't the uh, – does the defense get a little weaker? They lose a Gold Glove finalist at second base. Assuming Witt's going to step in and play second, certainly a, you know a, uh, a, a, a you know major league second baseman, Witt Merrifield. But Nicky Lopez had a had a terrific glove. Uh, but on the other side, on the flip side, I guess the lineup gets deeper, does it not? Um, you take Nicky Lopez out of he would be in the nine hole, right? Or Michael Taylor. I don't I don't know which one's going to be in the nine hole, but. Well, it'll be Michael A. Taylor now, I suppose. I suppose. Right, right, Lynn? Yeah, if we go by what we saw the last couple of
1: days, and in the last couple of days, it looked like sort of an opening day type lineup that they ran out right. there the last couple of Cactus League games. You had Michael Taylor batting ninth, and you had Isbell eighth, and actually Hunter Dozier was seventh. So that gives you an idea just how deep that lineup was. Um, and just sort of a, uh, another um, sort of ancillary thing with the lineup is... Uh, I had asked Matheny about, you know, when Sal's going to get his days off and he doesn't come into play really early in the season, but you want Salvi's bat still there. And I think even la- maybe it was last week on the show that, you know, somebody talked about Is Salvi going to be DHing when he's not playing. It's like, well, you got Jorge Soler. Well, I don't – you're not going to pull, you know, Witt out of the lineup to put Soler in there. And and maybe you would have pulled Nikki out and put Witt a second anyway. But now – you can put Salvia DH. You can put Soler in the outfield for a game, you know, once a week, instead of Isbel, and you're keeping a major bat in there, two major bats in there with Salvia DH, Jorge in the in the outfield, and which just stays at second base, and you still have a deep lineup. Salvia gets his day off. Cams uh, behind the plate. Cams behind the plate, and then. Um, you know you still have that big middle of the lineup and then Isabel who's you know a rookie still getting his feet wet, maybe gets a day off once a week in that type of situation but you don't really take bats out of the middle of that lineup so just a sort of a, another aspect of that um, but yeah with with Nicky on the lineup most likely Michael A. Taylor drops down it looks like they they're Leaning towards, if we're reading into these last couple lineups, uh, leaning towards uh, Mondesi maybe bat in third. So, the um, lineup is in uh, is looking interesting.
0: Mondy bat in third. I think that's another topic we could get into here. Um, I don't know what to I don't know what to say about Mondesi except when he's good, he's fantastic, and when he's not good, he's he's awful at, at the plate. Right, he's, his glove is always there. But there, doesn't, there hasn't been much in between with Alberto Mondesi. Um, what's, the, what's the point of batting him third? Uh, Sam, what, uh, what, are the Royals, what are the Royals hoping for with Mondesi in the three
2: They've always been really aggressive with him. Um, you know, I mean, from the literal beginning, um, when they, like, fought off the Yankees and some other clubs to, to sign him. You know, just to just to get him to sign their their contract, and then they they pushed him through the minor leagues, despite you know he wasn't he wasn't overperforming those leagues offensively. Um, You know, makes his debut in the World Series, uh, wins the job at second base in a season where he probably shouldn't have. That probably should have been Whit Merrifield. Um, Struggled, Um, but they've always been aggressive with him, and I think that um, they probably look at it like. He crushed. I mean, he he there's an argument for him that, that he was the best player in baseball in the month of September. Now, the month of September can lie, all those things, but that that's that still happened on a major league baseball field. And then in the spring, he's been crushing. And and he's been doing it against, you know, it's spring training and all that stuff, but they've been putting him against the best pitching, right? I mean, this he's not he's not crushing against, you know, low A low A guys. Um, so I think they probably feel like he did this in September. He's doing it now in spring. This is where, this is where he should be. I disagree with him on this, with the understanding they obviously live with him and know him a hell of a lot better than, than I do. Um, I get that, but he seems like a guy that struggles with his confidence sometimes. And he seems like a guy that if, if you put him at nine and just tell him, field the ball, run like hell, um, and, and don't worry about the bat Like just be easy, it'll come We know it will um, and, and then when he, when he gets on these heaters For a week or two um, And can carry them, that's great And you still have Whit, Mer- Whit Merrifield protecting him If he's hitting ninth then Merrifield is hitting behind him. So he's not going to get just a steady diet of sliders outside. So um, that's what I think they should do. I get what they're doing. They're trying to prop him up a little bit. If he's hitting third, that's lineup protection. He'll be in, in situations where they don't want to walk him, you know, all those things. But um, it, it just it seems like they, they give him opportunities that his production doesn't merit. And with other guys, they they need the production to merit before they give them the opportunities. It's just it's a different way to handle it.
0: The the other thing about him hitting third strikes me is that the one of his obvious assets is his speed. And you lose a little bit of that when when you're hitting third. Uh, the idea would be that uh, Merrifield and Ben would be on and, and now you're asking him to drive in runs and um and, and not be on bay, you know, not not have the base paths cleared for, you know, for him. And but he, he he by far kind of lapped the field in leading the league in stolen bases last year. Each of the last two years, I think, didn't he, Lynn? Um, Mondes. Anyway, he's been up there in st- stolen bases.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember because he get you know his 2019 was shortened. I think he still did lead the league. I'm trying to remember how much of a. Uh, gap, because yeah, remember, he, he had the shoulder injury at the end of his season before the season ended, but I think he still did. He still ended up, I know he still ended up tied for the lead in triples with uh, actually with Dozier and Merrifield. Uh, so I think he did lead the league in skills. I just can't remember.
2: up um, he had 43 in 102 games, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, did not lead the league, but 43 in 102 games is.
1: It was the guys from Seattle catch him? Is that what is? I'm trying to? I don't, I, I'm I don't know not, it's not. Whit led back-to-back maybe years, maybe that, year. Year. maybe that was maybe that was just uh. uh he yeah, led yeah. in hits. He led in hits back-to-back years. By, okay. um He had stolen bases one, one year. Yep. Okay.
0: Okay, Lynn. Take us through. We know Brad Keller is going to um, uh, start opening day on Thursday against the Rangers, and Mike Miner goes Saturday. Uh, am I, and then Singer is it Singer on Sunday? Yeah, um, and then Duffy. Duffy and the and as we went over last week, the Royals aren't going to need a fifth starter until mid-April. Has that has that cleared up any? Or uh, they, but certainly, they have time to you know to consider this. But um, the the fifth starter, I think, could be an interesting spot for the Royals, at least the way I look at it right now.
1: Well, if it's clean, if it's cleared up internally, they have not cleared it up externally for anybody. <laughs> um, no, it's. Uh, I think there's still multiple guys that are in that conversation, as they like to say. Um, I think Jake Junis, is the way he pitched this spring has definitely put him back in that conversation. And I know people have heard me say this multiple times, but he's still in a year when pitching is such a big question mark, he's got more innings than anybody else the last couple of years. And people just want to dismiss that. But I mean, you know, he's made more starts through more innings uh, the last three years than anybody in that rotation. Um, but uh, he's looked really good. He had the cutter. Um, and so he'll be in that discussion. Um, you still have guys in the minors, whether that's Lynch, that's Bubich. Um, so they'll be in that discussion as well. Um so they've got multiple options. Um, I'm not, uh, uh, I was thinking somebody else. I mean, Kowar is another guy who uh, I don't, th- I still don't think he's as far along as Lynch is. But um, so there's going to be multiple guys that they could go to on that spot. But they haven't really declared one way or another. And I think they want to see what it looks like over those first couple of weeks. I did. Uh, and I was wondering if you know being in the bullpen because that's where Junis and uh, likely Urban Santana, assuming he makes a club, will be. Um, if that takes them out of the running for that, but um, you know, Matheny still sort of seemed to um, indicate that no, that they're still going to stay stretched out. If they, even if they pitch out the bullpen, there's going to be that chance where if they there's a longer outing that they could do, they could still do that. Uh, I know Junas, his last Cactus League appearance was I think two innings, but they were going to have him throw a four inning outing as well. You know, on the backfields just to keep him stretched out. So there's still a lot of balls up in the air on that.
0: Yeah, this Junus uh, Jake Junas spring has really uh opened some eyes. Is it has he developed the cutter or is this a pitch he's uh, is, is he just it's a it's a new out?
1: one this this off season. It's, it's a new pitch for him coming into this year. And it's um you know, and he's looked really good. I mean, that last that last outing against the Angels where they had, you know, Trout, Pool, Holtz, Rendon, all of them in there. I mean, he was mowing guys down. I think it was two innings. Um mm-hmm. He was six up, six down. I think three strikeouts, I want to say. So, I mean, I mean, he's, he's looked good throughout.
0: It
2: does. Can I say something real quick? Like, um, I, sometimes I can make fun of spring training production and statistics, um, and, and most of the time it deserves it. But I think that, like, when there's something, when a person has, like, fundamentally changed in a way, like Junus with that pitch, I mean, it is it, – it, it's a different dude on the mound. I think, like, when when there's sort of some context like that, I think it makes sense to put a little bit more credibility, um, however you want to say it, just a little bit more belief um, in those numbers and that production when, when there's something different going on like that.
0: I agree. Um, okay. All three of you guys are going to be out there uh, at Kaufman on, on Thursday uh, for, for opening day. Kind of made probably an unfair question, but I'll start with you. Hey, what do you, what are you expecting to feel and sense and, uh, and, and be part of. We we know that fans are going to be there. Um, not not thirty five thousand that we usually see on opening day, but ten thousand. That's going to be the limit for home games at the K. But what uh, what do you what do you think you're going to feel out there? I,
3: I think it will really feel special. You know, one thing I'm reminded of is when Sam went uh, to a Sporting KC game last year, and it was the, the first game you could go to in person, or what the fans could go to in person. I think Sam. And I I remember it making you very emotional. And um, I expect to feel that way uh, on Thursday. I I think it's not going to be a typical opening day, of course, but it's going to be a lot more typical than last year. And I do think that the sound of 10,000 fans is going to be, it'll give us chills a little bit. I think it'll, I think it'll sound like 35,000. I could, I could be gauging it wrong, But that that's my anticipation. And and I I know just in some things I've kicked around with Sam and a little bit with Lynn um, that we all we all feel that. Right. And I mean, certain events, I think, stoke the sports writer, even the older uh, jaded ones like Sam uh, (laughs) to uh, to, to, you know, really anticipate the moment.
2: We think, Sam, Uh, I mean, I would kind of echo everything that Vi said. I mean, I, like that, that sporting Kansas city game, um, I felt like a fool, you know what I mean? Like I I've got two kids and a mortgage and, you know, I'm just sitting there like getting goosebumps, like from 2,500 people in the stands, but it was just, it, it's that, uh, and especially cause we still had chiefs games, you know, but like there's, it, it's just different. And there's something about that spontaneous, reaction of thousands of strangers who came to one place to like experience i get like literally i'm getting chills talking about it. Like, like they come to one place to experience the same thing because they have this shared joy this shared interest and and from missing it for so long um like i yeah i'm, I'm expecting to have like feelings that uh, like a grown adult you know in theory should should be passed um i think it's going to be great and and it's only amplified by um, you know, all that stuff last year, obviously, but it's only amplified by the the team has, I mean, they're, they're far from the favorites. They're in the wrong division. <laughs> um, you know, there's some loaded teams in the central, but the, the team is a hell of a lot more interesting than it was last year, the year before and the year before that. There's no question about that.
0: Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I've got to say, too, that uh, unless I have missed my current events or, or recent history, uh, the, the, the attendance at sporting events – from the NFL and um, let's just say college college basketball, and then into the NCAA tournament and uh, and, and others that, that we've um, uh, that we've covered or noticed, those haven't been fans. Have been responsible. They are wearing ma- They are sitting apart in pods. They're wearing masks when they're not eating or drinking. I haven't heard of any super spreader events from a sporting you know from a sporting event. So I, I think fan, that's, that sh- shows me how much fans want to be in the stadium or in the arena, and, and they want their sports. And um, and, and so I, I trust that that'll continue to be the case, even as you know the vaccines are on the increase, but there's also a little bit of recent, uh, very recent history of, uh, of, of, of numbers rising in COVID, maybe because of spring break. We all saw the, the images of the beaches in South Florida, so... Um, uh, but sports fans by and large have been pretty responsible in uh, from, from everything I gather. I I don't know, but have you, have you guys heard anything differently?
3: I I agree with that Blair from what I've seen. And and to my surprise, I might add, I remember being a bit skeptical when the chiefs were, were opening it up. Um, Just that, you know, you think of all the loopholes, like you have to have the mask on at all times, unless you're drinking. And what are people doing at chiefs games? And but I, I'm more and more persuaded that the outdoors element is, is a huge factor in this. Um, and, but the other thing I do find myself wondering is, and I've heard no talk about this, um, as we go farther into um, you know, approaching herd immunity and more people getting vaccinated, all these things, and wanting to open the doors more and you know, you know, at some point in the future saying, okay, it's open to everyone – what what is the the element of the vaccine going to be in that? I mean, will we will we see something where, you know, you need to present your vaccine card? I'm probably exaggerating the the point, but it is interesting to me. Like, could you if you knew that everybody coming into the stadium was vaccinated, would you look at it differently? Would you open it up more? And it's it's really again, I I might have just not not seen the data or the, or the stories about it. I haven't really heard much discussion about that next step.
0: Lynn, you, you know, you went to spring training games for a few weeks in surprise with fans, right? The Royals had up to 20, was it 2,500 per game in the, whatever it is, 8,000 seat uh, surprise stadium. Uh, were they, were they spread out? And uh, how, how did it work there?
1: Yeah, they were, they were, you know, they're small groups. They were spread out. Um, I remember before the first home game at Surprise Stadium, watching them with one of those, um, you know, one of those drones spraying seats and then also seeing somebody walk around and literally go or different people going around and literally wiping down every seat in the ballpark. Um, So, but when, when the fans were there, they were spread out, they had masks on. Um, It was funny because as you were saying, you haven't seen anybody, you know, not uh, abiding by those. The, the first time that it jumped out at me was uh, actually just uh, a couple days ago out at the uh, Salt River Fields. There was a, a loud group of uh, young fellows <laughs> in the upper deck who – you could hear them all over the stadium. And at one point, because they were so loud, you know, of course they're drawing attention to themselves. And we looked over from the press box and we were like, you know, nobody – we were like we, – you hate to say it, but like – They're having a great time. There's not a mask over there that I see right now. (laughs) I mean, they had them, they just weren't wearing them. And you could tell they had been um, most likely uh, partaking in some beverages. Uh, At least that's the assumption there. But, and that was the first, that was the only one that I remember standing out just because it was, you know, the second to last day of spring training and they were getting uh, extra rowdy. And it was a group of them. And of course, that group was isolated from, you know, sort of isolated from other groups. But, for the most part, you haven't seen much of that. You've seen groups spread out. You've seen masks. Even at that ballpark, there was, you know, the ushers were literally walking up and down the aisles uh, with signs that's, that they're people, put your masks on and point to individual people and tell them to put masks on. So I think that's, you know, I don't envy that position this year because I think that's going to be a lot of that. Is what's going to be going on in ballparks all over the, the uh, country this year is people being reminded and arguing with people about masks. But for the most part, um, I, I think it's been pretty good. It just, uh, it just happened that that one example stood out because, you know, they were, you know, they were giving it to, I'm trying to remember who it was, but I think multiple people from the Royals and from uh, the Rockies heard about it.
0: <laughs> well, fingers crossed that uh, we continue to uh, practice safety and, and not have to, you know, like college basketball season, lose games, right? And, and, um, uh, and then have delays like Baylor's basketball team lost three weeks of games. The uh, Montreal Canadiens hockey teams lost four games uh, because of the spread. So here's hoping that, um, that we don't see much of that at all during, during the baseball season. All right, I wanted to get your guys 162-game projection for the Royals. But to put you in the mood for that, um, Beth is going to run a, a little uh, a clip from uh, – the Royals, a little promo from the Royals, Beth. Let's let's roll that thing and see if that doesn't get us fired up.
2: This isn't just any team. Young, hungry, powerful, fast. These are your Royals.
0: It's one high. That
2: balls going to Mars. Oh! look out al central you just struck out three guys while we told you that these royals are hard throwing bomb hitting base stealing gold gloving baseball magicians especially him
1: how did he do that that was sleight of hand and now we have these guys that is blast my
2: goodness welcome to our field of dreams these guys throw straight fire this dude might as well play with a gold glove and this guy you already know it's gonna be a base hit And don't worry, the Fountains are still doing whatever awesomeness Fountains do. So put those cutouts away, because baseball is back at the K. Absolute cannon shot. This is your team. These are your
0: Kansas City Royals. Put those cardboard cutouts away. (laughs) That's the best part, man. That that was good. I like that. They did a good job. The Royals did a nice job with that. Um... So uh, I think they
3: do a good job with a lot of that stuff. Really, you know, it 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 uh it it, it hits the right notes, the right chords.
0: Uh, the year, of course, the year you, before you got here, Vahe was will uh, Remember the uh, the famous uh slogan? Uh, what was it? We've arrived. What was it? Our term? time. Our time. <laughs> Our time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and and I believe that was the year. Um, you know, at that point. In history, covering baseball in Kansas City meant that uh, <laughs> that as soon as you heard the first boos on the home opener, you looked at the clock to see how long the game was. And it was 16 minutes, 16 minutes into the season and people had already had it with our time in. Also, notably, uh, our time was such a disaster that uh, baseball operations then got veto power over future marketing <laughs> <books>. <laughs> <It turned laughs> was, that the, was
0: that
3: the game Luke never started and it just yeah. got busted? yeah
2: yeah yeah the, the, the Royals did not the Royals won I forgot the exact date uh, of the Royals' first win at home that year, but it was May something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It turns out it was only our time to host the All Star Game that year, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Uh, however, however, um, the Royals ends up end up with the the best record right in the Cactus League this year. That's happened three other times. Uh, one of those years was two thousand and three. Uh, the others were twenty eleven. And 2013, and we know that 2003 and uh, 2013 were the Royals turned winning records in those years. I don't know what the pro- projections were for those teams, but uh, two out of three years, with the previous years when the Royals had the best record in the Cactus League, they had a uh, uh, they were above 500 in in the uh, in the final standing. So. <sighs> Is that going to happen this time? Let's start with uh, Vahe. What do you think? 162 games. How many do they win, Vahe? I
3: think I think they're over 500. I think they're 84, 85 wins somewhere in there. I will qualify this as saying I tend to be about 10 games over every year <laughs> on my estimates. Um, I, I, I've got the rose-colored glasses, not quite like the the old Poznansky legend, where didn't he write every year how they were going to win it all? But yeah. I. Look, I, I I only see the upside right now. I I really do. I think it's an exciting lineup. I think the pitching has potential to be certainly stable, if not pretty decent. And uh, that combination, I think, wins you wins you more
2: games than 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 you lose. The the best part of those Poznansky I mean, they, there was a lot of good ones, but one of. One year, I forgot what year it was, but they had Sidney Ponson. You guys remember him? Yeah. And, and I should say, like, what was left of Sidney Ponson at that point. And I felt like everybody understood that if they got forty innings from this guy, that that's gone. Cool. And I remember those call it started with uh, a scout with the, you know, like how how are the Royals going to win the division? And this guy was like, well, it's easy. First, Ponson's going to win <laughs> twenty. <It was just, laughs> that's where we're at. Whew um I think the 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 vegas number on them is 73 and a half I believe um that was the last I saw I think that's a good number I think it's a little bit low um I do uh it, it is optimism season though and I, I'm, I'm not as uh not quite vahe um but I, I think they got a really good shot like 76 77 with a chance to 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 improve on that like this game this this team like you don't have to like imagine so much. You don't have to, like, create these scenarios. You can just say, like, Jorge Soler has literally led the league in home runs in the last full season that we had, you know? Mm-hmm. Whit Merrifield has this skill set. Ben Attendee, like, the pitching staff. All this, like it, it's all there. Um, and I know I keep bringing it up, but the, the biggest reason for me to sort of maybe go down a little bit is that they have to play the White Sox all the time. They have to play the Twins all the time. The Indians are pretty good. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really rough division uh, for them to sort of try to rise up.
0: Mark Schremer has him ten games over. Eighty-six, that would be eighty-six and seventy-six. That's um that's optimistic. All right, bring some realism here to the to the conversation, Lynn. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did I think I'm gonna have to adjust
1: a little bit just because, you know, I saw a promo where a guy hit the ball to Mars and they got magicians. <laughs> so I don't know how I can um, you know, downplay, you know, you can't uh, I mean, a guy hit a ball of Mars. Are, are you going to just get – you can't Debbie down on that. Um, but I think, you know, last last year – well, I mean, in the last two full seasons we saw them were 100 loss seasons. Last year was probably a pace for about 70, 71 wins. So to get to 500 to me still seems like a big leap. For one year, you know, um, especially when there's going to be questions about pitching just because the difference between the seasons and because you still are relying on some young guys like a Brady Singer and maybe Chris Bubich. And, you know, you, you, you're still um, got some some question marks there. Um, and then you may have a, you know, a rookie plan on a regular basis in the outfield, as we talked about earlier. So so there's still some things to at least question to, you know, to give me hesita- hesita- a little hesitation to jump straight to 500, even though I think they're definitely going to be better. But also, you know, like Sam's mentioned, the division is not, you know, cakewalk. So um, I think if I'm being optimistic and I know they've set high goals, they're talking about playoffs, they're talking about yesterday, guys were talking about World Series. Um, I, I guess I'm probably still landing somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, around 80 wins, I guess, being optimistic. And, because I think there's going to be real improvement. I just don't. I just feel like saying they're going to be 500 or above 500 is still a big leap based off of the last that we saw. And I think there has been a lot of improvement from the last we saw. But to just project and say, okay, they should be at least 500, and then anything fall below that means something went wrong. I think that's saying too much. So I think I'll land right around 80 wins.
0: Okay. And Mark Schremer wants to clarify, and that with my fault, Mark. Uh, he was saying that Vahe was probably about 10 games over on his projection. At least uh. <laughs> which Bahe agrees with? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Mark, Mark is closer to Sam's projection. Um I am too, and I'll tell you why. Um, a couple things. Um, starting pitching has to has to develop. Uh, you just don't know. You don't know who to trust yet uh, with the, in, in the rotation, so I'm a little skeptical there. And the Royals' recent habit of April baseball has just been so discouraging. Um, I, I remember before the World Series teams, right? You were the only thing you looked forward to with the Royals was the promotion nights. You know what? When were they giving away the bobbleheads? Uh, Whose jersey was good, whose T-shirt was uh, was being uh, offered up that night? Uh, the world, you know, the, the playoff teams changed all that, but then they fell back into that nasty habit in in eighteen and nineteen, and didn't get off to a good start at all last year in the abbreviated season. So, just you know, don't don't be buried by the end of April. Have you know show some sh- show some progress and some signs of life in the in the cold weather months, and and maybe. You know, maybe this year a hot September means meaningful baseball in September for the Royals. That's that is my wish for for this team. But I'll I'll say 75 wins for for the Royals this year, which is progress. Look under Ned Yost, what was the what was the, the, the thought? They improved. Uh, their, their Every year, seven straight years, I think it yeah. was. It set a major league record of improving in seven straight years. So this would be a third straight year if they, at least from a winning percentage basis, if they could get to. Uh, victory total in, in the mid 70s. So, okay, guys, uh, great conversation. I really enjoyed it. You guys have uh, fun on opening day on Thursday. Want to, again, thank the University of Kansas Health System uh, as um, as our sponsor. Great to have them on board. And a reminder to, to your viewers, we're going to come at you on Tuesdays, 10 a.m., every week as long as uh, Lynn and Vahe and Sam can uh, can fit into their busy, busy schedule. So for, for Beth Welsh, um, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger for talking Royals. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass. That's the Stars Sports section online. Everything that appears in print and much more on our website for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are two days away from opening day. We're in the thick of March madness with the Final Four set after tonight. And of course, it is never not Chiefs season. Now, so how do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues plus additional sections of sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.